And welcome back to another edition of what I like to call From Nonsense to God Sense as we take a look at some of the things that go on in this world through a biblical perspective because oftentimes it can be crazy and make no sense when we look at it through the lens of the world. But when we look at it through the eyes of Scripture and maybe through the eyes of Jesus, if that's even possible, we get a little different perspective, maybe some compassion, maybe some understanding, maybe some some uh, forgiveness. And so uh, Dan Delzell is with me. And Dan, uh, recently we had another debate regarding the 2020 elections, and it was the uh, vice presidential debate between Pence and Harris. And so was it something that you watched? What did you think? Was it even outside of the fly that apparently is now racist because the fly landed on Trump, I mean on Pence, instead of Harris? Now apparently the fly is racist. But um, what did you think about the overall performance and the outcome of the uh, vice presidential debates? Well, thank you, Son. It's great to be with you again. And, uh, yeah, I definitely uh, watched the entire debate. And quite a contrast from the debate between uh, President Trump and Biden. Um, I have felt from the day that uh, Mike Pence was selected to be Donald Trump's running mate that, you know, we got a guy here who um, has years of experience as um, a politician, but also as a dedicated and committed Christian. And what I've seen in Mike Pence over the last four years is what, um, you know, the nation and the world got to see uh, the other night, um, you know, uh, grace and strength under pressure. And yet, um, here's a man that's rooted deeply in Christ. And, and, and not only were, you know, was there so much more depth to what he talked about, um, you know, I was, I was frankly quite shocked at, at how little his opponents seemed to know about, um, you know, many issues, uh, and, and really doesn't have at all the, the political experience that could even compare with Mike Pence. So from that standpoint, um, it was quite revealing. But just from a style and a uh, uh, oh, just just the way they address one another. You know, you and I talked last week, Son, about really how how undisciplined um, President Trump was in his his uh, first debate there, and uh, for all of the strong conservative positions and conservative judges, um, and and just the pro life uh, position that he has held, we we talked last time about how that is something that he'll need to really work on uh, cleaning up, not that, you know, we should be afraid to be uh, bold and in, in our um, discussions on, on issues where we differ with others, but I think what Mike Pence gave us, really there, son, was a blueprint on how to do so in a way that shows respect for your opponent, that, that it's not, you know, interrupting all the time, and that really uh, speaks very highly of, you know, what it means to hold conservative positions, uh, biblical positions, not that they address the Bible per se, but, you know, anytime a Christian is, is called to, to, to get answers to things, even in this case as a politician, um, you know, his, his light will either shine or, or it won't. And, and I think there were so many ways in that debate, Son, that we saw um, just tremendous strength wisdom, restraint, uh, compassion, but also a willingness to call out things that need to be called out. So uh, I think there was a lot that Donald Trump can learn from that. And uh, I just, yeah, I thought, I thought Mike Pence um, was extremely impressive um, in, uh, in that debate. And I think a lot of people, in fact, it's interesting because, uh, uh, you know, my, uh, my daughter and her husband were, were commenting to uh, my son on how, um, you know, they both, and they're in their 20s, of course, but how they both really felt after watching that, boy, he would make a wonderful president. And I just have to think, Son, that there were probably millions of people who were watching this this man in that uh, debate and perhaps thinking to themselves, my goodness, uh, what qualifications, what knowledge, what um, self-control, um, what conservative values, uh, what love for freedom, you know, in this, in this man who, uh, is there. So yeah, that's a little bit of my, my, uh, you know, I guess my reflections on, on the debate. But Dan, he was sexist and mansplaining. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, I know it. It's funny how, okay, you put someone on stage who is the vice president, yeah. and then yeah. you put somebody who wants to be the vice president and happens to be a woman, and then you make right. the moderator a woman, and yeah. then you're going to sit there and try to accuse, you know, Pence of being sexist and mansplaining. If she can't handle, yeah. if Harris can't handle a vice right. presidential debate with Pence, yeah. How in the world yep. is she going to survive Putin and Xi, people that have no yep. respect, and other people like in the Middle East and stuff that have no respect for women whatsoever? You know. Well, you know, that, that, that's it, Son. And, you know, I, I actually felt, and I'm sure many did across the nation, I really felt like, you know, when, when, when she said to Mike Pence, um, you know, I don't need you lecturing me, I, I thought, how demeaning to, to women is that? That here, you're going to stand up there on this stage you know, someone who wants to be a heartbeat away from the, uh, the office of the president, um, an election away potentially from being the vice president. And you're going to dare to use that as, as uh, when, 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 I mean, Pence was simply making points. Some of them were direct. Yes. But, but I felt it was a very fake um, kind of a feigned sort of, um, oh, you know, how dare you? And I just think it's very demeaning to women to suggest that that somehow if you're a woman, uh, as, as, as Kamala Harris seemed to be suggesting, if you're a woman, um, you you should not have to go, um, you know, very aggressively into a debate uh, topic like that. You should get a pass when it comes to that. And and even though you know the moderator gave her a pass on virtually every question she was asked, and and she didn't seem to have a clue about what her position was toward China or a whole host of other things. And the moderator, of course, never seemed to follow up with her or hold her feet to the fire on anything. Um, that in itself is is sad enough for somebody who's going to stand up there and um, you know and really um, you know try to get try to get votes. But then when you're going to try to play that emotional card and hopefully appeal to the emotions of women, who there are many women, of course, who have been uh, spoken down to by men. Okay, there are many uh, individuals who've experienced that. But 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 that's not what she was there for, and that's not what he was doing. And I just found it to be very demeaning for her to throw that into the mix uh, when when really there didn't seem to be any legitimate policies um, that that she would either stand behind or refute. Um, I mean, whether it be the Green New Deal, whether it be you know a partial birth abortion, um, I just found her to be an empty shell. Uh, you know, uh, who would smile and make all of these you know, facial expressions that many found to be just um, very, um, you know, unpleasant, unsettling. Um, there was really nothing in her whatsoever to me that seemed to demonstrate any qualities that we would want um, in, in, the, in the White House. And I just, I, I just wish that she had not um, presented herself in such a way that's really so demeaning to women and, and really as though women can't stand up to a vigorous discussion um, when here she's a prosecutor. And so don't, don't play that card now uh, in some emotional appeal. Um, I, you know, just very distasteful, I think. And, and, and yet Pence just rolled with it and he never really called her out on, on, you know, on that, uh, and, you know, and so I just, I, I thought he, he handled himself uh, beautifully and brilliantly. Dan, Dan, I'm speaking. You know, that's the type of behavior that you get. You know, it's like it was like right. it's like when right. when we did the um, the confirmations of Kavanaugh, mm-hmm. you know, she was yeah. on the committee. And I'm sure we're going to see some theatrics coming up from the confirmation of the new justice. Um, mm-hmm. But that's the thing. It's like this childish behavior. And they sit there and they rail on the president who does act childish and immature. But see, this, sure. is, this is where I think, and, and so, and, and then they repeat that behavior and they expect to be applauded for that same behavior while criticizing and condemning it. But here's, here's the savvy. Like you mentioned, Pence is by far the most presidential of all four of them that are yeah. in this race. And here's yeah. the thing that I think, I would like to think that is savvy about our current president is he found somebody, the polar opposite of him that could yeah. hold everything together. As far as, you know, yeah. being in, in, in Pence, because he does, he yeah. comes off very presidential. He comes off very together. Like he knows his policies. I mean, you know, he ran the yeah. state of Indiana. And yeah. the other thing too is it's like when you sit there and you're, you're in this world of what we're in right now, it's almost yeah. like the people, and I'm not saying everybody, but it's almost like people don't know 
what it's like mm-hmm. to have somebody of quality on the stage there talking because we're so used to all these dramatics. I mean, the last four years, all it has been is just right. a circus, a circus right. show of nonsense right. coming from Congress, coming from even the White House, coming from everywhere, you know. And yeah. not and, and again, <clears throat> we've gotten a lot done throughout the uh, mm-hmm. four years, fortunately. A lot of things have been accomplished. But it's just, you know, take Nancy Pelosi. I mean, it's a circus act of Congress. Adam Schiff, you know, a yeah. couple people out here in California yeah. that, you know, Californians know all too well. It's just a circus show. And then you get somebody mm-hmm. like Mike Pence up there who actually knows what he's talking about, who actually yeah. has a coherent thought. He's able to communicate yeah. that thought. And then it's like, oh, you're mansplaining. You're sexist. I, I'm, I'm speaking. Right. Don't interrupt me. It's like, you know, these people right. don't know how to how to surround themselves with that maturity level because they've yeah. been in, it's like they've been in kindergarten all day long and all of a sudden they want to graduate to like college. It's like, you can't do that. No, you, you can't. And as you say, son, I mean, uh, Pence clearly um, is a man with principled positions who loves freedom, who loves conservatism, who loves the power belonging to the people, not in the hands of a few. Um, and, and, you know, he was, he was debating a person who, for example, you know, just kind of threw out this very quick little reference to, you know, you know, Joe and I have faith, you know, referring to their uh, Catholicism. But, but here's the thing, though, son. You know, why, why wouldn't the moderator then follow up on that and say, well, let's talk about that faith now that you're kind of going to wear on your sleeve here. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. Not that we'll necessarily spend too much time on the abortion issue, but, you know, um, you know, here, Vice President Pence um, referred to your position and Joe Biden's position on abortion, even partial birth abortion, and then you're going to turn around and, and, and refer to your Catholic faith, the, the very um, church that uh, calls abortion a uh, moral evil, and, you know, son, this week, a couple of days ago, we have some folks in our church who became grandparents for the first time. And, and um, uh, they came up to me after church last Sunday, and uh, the wife was in tears and, and was requesting prayer for their daughter, who was going to be having a C-section this past Wednesday, which thankfully went, went well. And uh, they're blessed with a little baby girl, and everybody's doing fine. This little baby girl uh, was born at 36 weeks. So the C-section came, you know, earlier than, um, you know, a full-term pregnancy. But you know what they have, son, by God's grace? They have a little five-pound, 11-ounce girl. So, um, you know, the the, the question for um, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden is this. You know, try to justify um, giving a woman the so-called right at 36 weeks, let's not even take it beyond that for a minute. Let's just say 36 weeks. If that woman decides that, quote, unquote, it's her body, this little baby, unborn baby, preborn baby, let's say at five pounds, 11 ounces, that it's their right to take the life or actually to ask, uh, you know, an abortion execution or to take the life of this five pound, 11 ounce child. OK, try to defend that. And yet you're going to you're going to not even answer that. Um, you're not going to uh, explain what you mean by your quote-unquote faith or how it is in complete contrast uh, to the Catholic position on abortion. Uh, you know, it, it's just unconscionable that, 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 you know, she would be allowed to get away with that. And so just like with the first debate, you know, Son, um, we should not expect anything serious out of moderators and now more is coming out about the bias of moderators i mean you know i i think folks like trump who love freedom and pence they need to create another forum for for debates and get somebody in there who knows what they're doing is going to let the candidates go at it a little bit not the way trump did obviously in his first debate that was totally uncalled for and, and unhelpful and it didn't help him with anybody but um at the same time i'll, I'll say this um it was interesting that gallup just just released um, uh, some uh, results from a poll that shows that 56% of Americans, son, uh, feel they're better off today than they were when Trump took office under, you know, under Obama. No president in October has been at those numbers. Not Obama, not, not, uh, either the Bushes, not Clinton. I mean, the, the, the highest they've ever been maybe is in the 40s in October for a percentage of Americans who say we're better off. Uh, this bodes very well for uh, President Trump, 
um, in, in spite of what, you know, uh, some of these polls may be saying. So however it plays out, whatever the plan is for our country going forward in terms of the White House, um, it was very obvious that in this vice presidential debate, uh, Kamala Harris did not have any sort of principled position on abortion other than just being for it. And, uh, you know, one thing came out about Amy Coney Barrett, I guess, back in uh, maybe 2006. She had signed her name onto something that had uh, made reference to abortion being barbaric. And it was almost like when I read that, you know, some people are going to try to use that against her. Okay, try and use that against her, okay? Try and try and explain why someone going into the womb of a mother, let's say, at 36 weeks, and let's say that she has a 5-pound, 11-ounce child within her, that is a very viable child, ready to be born, ready to come into the world, that it's not barbaric to go in there and to destroy that life. So we need to have this discussion in America, son. Um, you know, uh, coming up on uh, Halloween, which is a high holy day for Satanists, um, there are child sacrifices that go on uh, in the name of Satanism and Satan worship. But I tell you, there is no more child sacrifice going on than, than in the name of abortion, um, no more babies being sacrificed uh, to evil uh, than, than that. And, and again, I realize a lot of mothers maybe who, who opt for that, um, maybe they're, they're being put under pressure by perhaps a parent, perhaps um, a boyfriend, and others that they, they just maybe aren't being put under pressure. So I'm not trying to condemn, you know, women who, who had an abortion or, or somehow say this is some unforgivable sin, but my goodness, as a nation, I mean, if we're not going to protect the life of the unborn and we're going to stand up on stage and say, oh, well, you know, I have this faith. Joe and I have this faith. And, and Penn's kind of, well, yeah, but you guys have a portion of abortion. He's not even going to answer that. You're not even going to try to defend your position. And the moderator will do nothing. Then the debate, uh, for, on that standing, uh, the debate's a joke. The moderating part is a joke. And in the midst of it, Pence stood very tall, very strong. He stood for life, something that Kamala Harris um you know, doesn't seem to have any interest for, you know, the preborn child. So, um, boy, th this is, this is a, a, just such a, an important issue, son, and we need to speak out on it. And I commend Mike Pence. So I read here just today, I think he said, hey, I'm, I don't apologize for being pro-life. Good for Mike Pence. He cares about the unborn. That's the other thing, too, that's interesting about Pence is, you know, people will push back on politicians, and politicians will flip-flop. You know, that's been a buzzword or a keyword or whatever you want to call it. For a number of years now, you know, we've seen um, even recently, I think it was in the presidential debate, Joe Biden and some of these comments, you know, flip on what he originally had said and flips back. Mm -hmm. And then, he, you know, it's kind of like he's just goes with the tide, whatever the whatever the way the wind blows, he's going to jump on that ideology for that moment, hoping it's going to help him with some votes and stuff. And I right. think that a lot of people um, see that and they have issues with that because I think especially out here in California, and if you look at the mainstream media, as they call it, you know, it's a coastal thing. It's it's in New York. It's in Atlanta. It's in yeah. L.A., you know. Yeah. And so you've got these big liberal yeah. cities, and these people yeah. live in these big liberal cities. But what they forget and what they leave out, I think, is the uh, the mid uh, the Midwest, you know, the values of the Midwest. And even right. though people have different opinions in the Midwest, there's still a core value of family. There's still a core right. value of honesty there's still a core right. value of something of substance there that a lot of times yeah. people lose when you're on the coast, as they call it, because it's just yeah. a different way of life and it's a different thought process and there's more influences and there's more, you know, people coming yeah. and going and there's no foundation like the foundation. Because no. if I if I go back, because, you know, obviously for people that know, I've spent five years in Nebraska, about a year and a half in Iowa, so I spent close to seven years in the Midwest. My family's yeah. from there, so I understand those Midwest values. And many time I come across somebody, especially out here in L.A., and they're from the Midwest, we right away have this connection because we know what each other is going to be about uh, yeah. from, from, from that foundation. And even though there's differing opinions and, and all that type of stuff, there's still that foundation of this is who we are. And I think a lot of people miss out on that, and people want that character. People want that. I mean, like I said, yeah. Uh, Pence was the governor of Indiana, so people voted him, voted for what yeah. he stood for. And I think a yeah. lot of times that gets missed in when you listen to the news, read the papers and all that type of stuff, is that you miss that, that there's a lot of people out there that don't like what they're seeing when it comes to the circus right. show, and they want something more of substance. Yeah. Well, and, and Pence brought out, Son, of course, 
and rightly so, that Kamala Harris uh, has had the most liberal voting record in the Senate. Now, why that's so important is because liberals and conservatives are very different. Um, you know, there's a big difference between AOC and ACB. Um, you know, Amy Coney Barrett is on one end of the spectrum in terms of her value for the unborn, uh, in, in terms of uh, the way she looks at the Constitution. Uh, you know, AOC is on the other side of the spectrum. I mean, she, she's concerned with trying to defund the police in New York City. Um, she's concerned about, you know, uh, putting in all these environmental regulations and, and policies and, and spending all of this money on things um, that would, would tie in with her version of the scientific data on climate change. And yet what's so amazing, Son, is this. Those who want to point to their version of the science on things like climate change or wearing a mask or, um, uh, you know, just uh, shutting things down. Okay. Uh, okay. They want to cling to their version of the science on that, but you know what? You don't hear a peep from them. You don't hear a peep from them when people bring up the science of gender, the science of one's chromosomes, one's DNA, the fact that it's impossible to change your internal dynamics, your DNA. You cannot change yourself from male to female or female to male, even by taking hormone suppressing drugs or even by having body altering surgery. It doesn't change what God made you to be. All you're doing is, is, is telling yourself and everybody else, why well, I, I want to be this. I feel like I'm this. But where, where, where's the science? Um, you know, see, see, biology is not bigotry. And, and yet when it comes to uh, the gender issue, son, um, those leftists like AOC, all of a sudden, that is though science doesn't matter. All that matters are your feelings, your emotions. Um, you know, it would be it would be crazy, son, if somebody was battling anorexia and they were just basically flesh and bones practically, and and just not eating, okay. And yet, in their mind, let's say they think they're really overweight. Who in their right mind would would um, lead them in the direction of liposuction? I mean, would that make any sense? No, it might make sense in the mind of somebody with anorexia. They might say, oh, man, yes, liposuction. That can help me get to the, to the look that I really need. That can help me be thinner than I am, okay? But, but, but when there's a psychological issue going on in your mind, uh, the answer is not to have some radical surgery to your body. And yet this is what's happening um, by those leftists who claim that their version of the science uh, is why they want to shut everything down, and have them put a mask on everybody constantly, but oh boy, um, start talking about the science of gender. Oh my, you could you could hear a pin drop. You know, it's like all of a sudden science doesn't matter. So there's just no consistency in their message. They don't hold principled positions, um, even on science, let alone you know faith, let alone the things in the Bible um, that, that that deal with um, you know the importance of life. You know, for example, in in Jeremiah, the Lord says, "Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you." So Mike Pence knows that little babies are formed in their mother's womb by our creator. And, and that is why he is pro-life. And, and, and why uh, Kamala Harris refused to speak for her partial birth abortion um, position. Well, um, I mean, what can you say? How can you defend uh, taking the life of the most innocent among us? And, and it reminds me, Son, of something that the Lord says uh, in his word in Proverbs. It says in Proverbs 6.16, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. And then the first three are haughty eyes, a lying tongue. And then this third one, hands that shed innocent blood. So you see, God hates, God hates murder, but he really hates abortion because abortion is shedding the innocent blood of, of the most innocent among us. And um, while the Catholic Church has a, has a position that calls abortion murder, and while there are some Catholic bishops and priests you know, who are taking some clear public positions on that and calling it out. Um, just imagine if every Catholic priest and bishop and every Catholic in America were to become that vocal and say, no, Joe Biden, you're not going to get away with saying, oh, well, you know, you're, you're a faithful Catholic or, or Kamala Harris, you're a faithful Catholic. Oh, well, yeah, when it comes to abortion, you know, um, we, we don't quite look at that as the murder, the slaughter of unborn children. Um, no, that's a woman's body. Let's just move on to the next topic. And you've got to hold people accountable on the most important issue um, in our in our world, really, uh, in terms of, of at least let's say in America, in terms of 
um, the protection of life. Because if the government's not going to protect the life of people, then we're totally dropping the ball. And obviously, Roe v. Wade um, really, uh, it, it might as well have been passed by uh, the church of, 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 you know, Satan, because that, that's his ideology. The, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. And, and uh, so, yes, we pray that that evil, um, that evil law that was put in place will be overturned um, because this little girl that was born this week uh, to the show, five pounds and 11 ounces, there is no justification, even if the mother wanted to, or even if, let's say, you know, and she's married, but let's say she had a boyfriend, her boyfriend wanted it, or what, her husband or her parents, even if they wanted it, there's no justification whatsoever to say, okay, yeah, as long as you can find uh, an abortion executioner who will do it, it's legal to go in there and, and, uh, and slaughter that, that little baby at, at five pounds, 11 ounces. Um, we've got to call it out, son. And Kamala Harris obviously is is walking in darkness on that issue and and some other issues um, that do not qualify her then to 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 hold the position uh, where you're you're supposed to be looking out for all people in America, every single black baby, every single brown baby, every single white baby. If you feel for the black babies and the brown babies and even the white babies, then you're not looking out for every American. Yeah, I'm finding it fascinating, Dan, that, you know, some frozen microbe on Mars is more important than, you know, the babies that we discard, you know, globally you know, every year. Um, do you right. think that, you know, we take a look at society and it's kind of interesting how Satan works because, you know, you think back to World War II and the extermination of the Jews and people yeah. would think, how could a nation get to the point where you do that, you accept that. Now, not everybody obviously right. accepted that, and right. people will argue, right. you know, that's a socialist government that did it and whatever. But, you know, there were a lot of people that turned in, you know, other people for yeah. hiding them, you know, yeah. stuff like that. And so we get to the point of the question was always, how did a nation get to that point that it was acceptable to do that? And I think we find that today, not only with the abortion issue, but just things in general. People have adapted a theology, an ideology. Yeah. I mean, you've got people burning down cities. You know, you've got people right. that are sitting there and trying to protest in the name of that which is right, but in the meantime, they're doing that which is wrong. You've got people that want their uh, policies and their uh, political ideology to be so extreme, and yet yeah. a normal person, you would think, with common sense, would sit there and see that is wrong, that is bad, that's no good for the country, this we can't have. You know, you've right. got um, both Biden and Harris, you know, they refuse to answer court packing, for example, and then it's like, you'll find out after you elect me president. Well, who wants to do that? I mean, who wants to have somebody right. all of a sudden surprise, you voted for me, and now I'm going to do right. the, the exact opposite of what I yeah. told you I was going to do. It's kind of like when Nancy Pelosi said way back, we have to pass the bill to see what's in the bill. And it's like people yeah. just kind of are blinded, and the way yeah. Satan works is so subtle sometimes that he just blinds people because you have people that are out there buying into a lot of this stuff, and it's like you just want to shake them and be like, dude, wake up. Are you seeing this? Are you are you really blinded by what is going on in this country? And I'm not even talking yeah. about the, 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 the specific political parties or the specific political candidates right now. I'm just talking about in general yeah. with the way things are being accepted through news media, right. through you know other publications, through television shows, through you know right. music. Right. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy out there, and, and it's like the, the, the moral decline – Yep. continues to grow larger and larger and larger, and it's more accepted, more accepted. And if you speak out, I mean, we mentioned um, uh, Cuties, the movie, and, yeah. you know, had conversations with people, and some think it was okay. It was just a coming-of-age uh, type of story, and mm -hmm. some was like mm -hmm. it was this. Well, I guess Texas now has indicted yes. Netflix on child pornography. Yeah. And so someone's, like, taking, taking a stand, you know. But right, it's like, exactly. But, but the movie was so dismissive by a lot of people thinking that yeah. it was something other than quite possibly what it was. And they had no objection to that type of thing. That's right, Sonny. And dismissive, uh, except by, as you and I know, by those two and a half million subscribers who canceled their subscription to Netflix as a result of that, really that, that pornographic, um, 
you know, ex- exploitation of, of children and, and really, um, you know, more in line with something that would promote, you know, uh, sex trafficking of children and, and child pornography, you know, th- th- this sort of a thing. And, and you know, Simon, what you're describing is that um, and, and many people use that example of like, you know, if you put a frog in, in, a, in a pan of water and it's boiling water, you drop the frog in, he'll jump right out. But if you put it in there and slowly turn up the heat, well, you know, you'll cook the frog. You won't really be able to tell what's going on until it's too late. And, uh, and so that's what, you know, the heat's been turned up in America slowly, but, but in, in, in recent years, son, it, it seemed like, you know, like if you're at your stove and, and uh, maybe you have the knob and, you, and you've started uh, turning up the, the fire a little bit and you've gone like from, uh, you know, two and a half slowly to three, and all of a sudden, you know, you, you quickly go to four and then five. I mean, that's kind of what's been happening in America now. Uh, it's been going, been getting turned up very fast. And, and, you know, this is not about a, a political party. This is about right and wrong. But we were all praying for as Christians, um, you know, before the 2016 election sign is that righteous um, would, 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 would win out and that, um, uh, you know, that, that, that Christ would be uh, lifted up. And we would not even think any candidates or some just um, beautiful examples of, of, of Christian living who have the, the kind of, years of spiritual integrity that say someone like a Mike Pence has, um, you know, not every politician by any stretch has that sort of history. And, and it, it takes decades to develop that kind of Christian maturity. But, but what we were praying for, Son, is, is for uh, someone who would take a stand for righteousness. Um, and, you know, one of the things that uh, we know that Donald Trump would refer to, you know, crooked Hillary, and, and then people would say, you know, lock her up, lock her up. And now, lo and behold, you know, four years later, now um, information has been declassified where she did cook up this scheme to try to have, um, you know, it, it looked like Trump was colluding with the Russians. And, and without going down that whole trail, um, it is so damning now to see um, what happened there. You know, I wrote an article years ago, Son, uh, something with a title like, um, uh, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton's email scandal, uh, hasty or premeditated. Um, and of course, you know, she had that, um, server, uh, in her home. And, and so many people felt she, uh, committed, you know, uh, some felonies by, by having all the information server, email server at home. And, and so many people were concerned, you know, crooked Hillary. Um, but I mean, try to find anybody of any party, who has taken the steps that now it looks like she took to try to smear uh, someone they're running against for the president of the United States. And I'll tell you, Simon, what's really scary is this. If she had gotten in office and then had just been able to build more and more power around her, and now they're talking about stacking the courts, you know, I mean, none of this maybe had come out unless Trump had stayed on it. And you know what? He's had virtually all of the media out to get him. He's had, you know, every, every leftist in the nation out to get him. Um, I mean, yeah, you know, he seemed a little, uh, uh, a little chaotic in that first debate, but I'll tell you, that guy has been up against a lot. I'll tell you what he's not doing, son. He's not out there trying to um, I- install an authoritative uh, stacking of the courts where now we don't have a fair exchange of ideas. We don't have, um, you know, uh, different, uh, different, um, uh, views being expressed. Um, this authoritative uh, approach of the leftist, more of a, uh, really heading toward more of a communistic type of, of approach, uh, certainly a socialistic type of approach. Um, this is so dangerous for a country, not only economics, in like Venezuela, for example, they've just been devastated by, um, by this false, dark, dodgy system. But we know communism is, is a failed policy. And so Trump came in wanting freedom. Uh, again, I'm not, I'm not suggesting he's some theologian in chief or some ideal Christian or, or some model of Christianity the way that Mike Pence is, because Donald Trump doesn't have decades of that sort of spiritual maturity behind him. But, but I'll tell you what, you know what they say about Donald Trump, son? They say there's never been a more pro-life president. And they point to the facts of what he's done. Um, they say there's never been a president who's been more committed to uh, the original understanding of the Constitution. And they point to the judges that he's put in place. And, and you know, I'll tell you what, um, he has done more to uphold freedom, stand for pro-life issues in the Constitution, son, than a handful of our uh, uh, previous, uh, even Republican presidents. Now, Ronald Reagan was very good on, on many of these things. 
But I'll tell you, son, again, it's not about party. I don't care what title. I don't care if you know, for anybody, if they don't even belong to any party. We need freedom in America. We, we need freedom of speech, freedom of religion. We need to protect the unborn. We need to stick to our Constitution. And Amy Coney Barrett is someone just like, um, just like Scalia when he was on the court, um, just like Clarence Thomas on the court, just like Samuel Alito. You know, she is someone who interprets the Constitution in its original context. Um, and yes, uh, I'm very thankful that, that, uh, that Amy Coney Barrett apparently signed something, you know, 14 years ago that referred to abortion as barbaric. And I'd like to hear Kamala Harris or Joe Biden explain why it's not barbaric. 36 weeks, let's say, not even 40, 36 weeks. Yeah, go in, tear that baby out, you know, suck that baby out of the womb if the mother doesn't want it to pressure down or whatever. Go ahead, make the case. And make it first to your church, you know, then make it to the nation. But, oh, no, they won't say a word about that because they know it's in darkness. It's, it's, it's so deceitful. And, and I think, you know, Saad, and the last thing I'll say, it's kind of like, you know, that folk in hell. Um, season where there's a lot of talk of spirits and spells and this sort of a thing. Well, under a spell. And abortion has greatly increased the level of spiritual darkness in our land. And, and um, you know, we have, to, we have to take the lid off of this thing. We, we have to expose it for what it is, just how barbaric it is. And we, we can't be afraid to talk about it. And um, so anyway, um, yeah, it, you know, light, you know, darkness hates the light. Uh, and, we, and we continue to pray for the light of God's word and God's truth to shine in America, um, not only through politicians, uh, even more importantly, through all of us. And, and all of us at least know the Lord because, um, you know, the world needs Jesus. And, and that's why uh, God has us here on this planet as his followers to, to help lead others uh, into his saving arms. You know, Dan, as you say that, one of the things that come to mind is a lot of evangelicals jumped on that Trump train when he first came on four years ago. And now I'm noticing that not necessarily the, the pastors, so to speak, but there's some other people that are now, like you mentioned, you know, he's, he's not the most, uh, doesn't really demonstrate the, the best of Christian values, so to speak, but he does profess a faith and he does have a surrounding of support from ministers and stuff. But a lot of Christian evangelicals kind of frown upon him and his actions, the way he conducts things, tweets things, you know, might yeah. bark at people, stuff like that. Right. But one of the interesting things is when you look at the Bible, the Bible is full of examples of people that failed miserably in life. I mean, you take a look at King yeah. David. You know, he was a murderer yeah. in essence. Yeah. You know, he was an adulterer. Yeah. Uh, you right. take a look at Moses. I mean, we're still dealing with the ramifications of him today with him yeah. sleeping with Sarah. Um, you take a look at, you know, the disciples. You know, Peter denied yeah. Jesus three times, which right. I can't imagine anything being worse than that. You have, you know, Paul, who was Saul killing Christians. Right. And yet, so here you have all these people that, according to today's standards, would be horrific people. But yet mm -hmm. God used them. He converted them, obviously, changed their lives, but right. used them. Right. And so it's like people forget that, you know, you condemn one person. And I get the criticism is sometimes warranted. But yeah. also it's like you can't dismiss the fact that God can use him because your very faith. You know, we talk about how Biden says he's a Catholic, but yet he's pro-choice for abortion, and that yeah. conflicts yeah. with his religion. It's the same thing right. with Christians. If you're, if you're a Bible-believing Christian, you can't dismiss the fact that your entire belief system is based on examples, outside of Jesus, who was perfect, based on examples right. of people who are not perfect. I mean, Jonah ended up in a whale. Yeah. Um, you know, and yeah. so you have all these people that are imperfect. You know, Peter was walking on water and he was watching Jesus and when he took his eyes off, he started to sink. And so it's like without Jesus, we are imperfect. We are, yeah. you know, flawed individuals that are doing bad things. And yet people seem to sometimes forget that, that the foundation of your faith is based on the examples of people that did some bad things in the Bible, yet God used them, changed them. And use them, and we don't know what that transformation was like. You know, we might be seeing a transformation in the president right now in his spiritual life from before right. to after, and we see him going through it on TV because he's on the media yeah. all the time. But we don't know what it was like. I mean, we don't know what people, you know, how their transformation was as far as the process no. and things went. We just read about it, and so right. you know, it's it's not all things are possible with God, and and even using somebody like the president we currently have now and all his flaws could be good for the country, and God can use it for his ultimate purpose is what the point would be. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, Son. It reminds me, uh, just recently last night I was leading a Bible study, 
in the home of some of our folks uh, in our church at Redeemer. And uh, it was in uh, Matthew 11. And uh, part of the passage we were looking at is where Jesus uh, began to denounce some of the cities where, where really many his miracles performed. But the reason it says he began to denounce them is because they did not repent. Now, that, that word repentance, and even more importantly, the meaning of it, song, is so critical to um, the, the Christian worldview and the biblical worldview, uh, really both you know, Jew and Christian, uh, throughout uh, the centuries. Uh, you know, repentance is, is at the heart of what God wants for people. It was Jesus' first sermon in Mark 1.15, where he said, repent and believe the good news. So let, let's take this example of, like you said, many evangelicals get on the Trump bandwagon. Um, no evangelical who knows their Bible at all and is, is, a, is a follower of Christ is going to be able to in any way condone or support or back up any of those accusations that were made at Donald Trump, or even if there was something on tape, let's about anything that would have been immoral or, um, uh, you know, just of a, a sexual moral uh, nature or some other kind, um, you know, th- that's wrong regardless of who, who does it. Okay. Um, he, here's the thing, though. Um, does thou shalt not murder? And it's one of God's uh, Ten Commandments, and thou shalt not commit adultery. Okay, so yes, adultery and murder. Let's take those two. Um, yeah, they're both evil in God's sight. If Donald Trump had been standing up there um, promoting, let's say, the practice of adultery, whether he ever has engaged in that or not, without even getting into that, you know. But um, you know, if he'd been standing up there promoting it then what right would any professing Christian have to say, I support someone who promotes sin, a theory as sexual immorality. In fact, the New Testament says all other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Okay, so what right would any evangelical have to say, I support this candidate even though he promotes that? Donald Trump one time say he promoted that. Um, uh, you know, uh, Never once. Now, on the other hand, what about murder? Okay, um, when you have political candidates who are unwilling to denounce not only murder, born children, but are promoting it, are are wanting laws that back it up. There's no repentance there, son, for for the murder of these children. There's no willingness to stand in the gap for them. That is that is hugely significant. Uh, when we're talking about, you know, who we're going to support. And I don't care what party anybody would belong to. I would never vote for a candidate. This is me now speaking. I would never vote as a Christian for a candidate if they stand up and say, um, you know, oh, I, 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 I promote adultery. I think it's okay to live, you know, to live in like an open marriage. I would never be able to vote for a candidate because that is so offensive to God. Likewise, I could never in good conscience vote for a candidate who says, well, I, I, I support the murder of certain people, yeah, certain races or certain ages or, or, or certain um, conditions. I support the murder of them, whether it be, you know, uh, somebody who's brown or somebody who's unborn or, or, or somebody who's of this religion or whatever. Okay, so these are principled positions that, that are so critical. And without a renouncing of sin, you have no repentance. And, and this is why, you know, something like 80-some percent of evangelicals and I, and I think even today, of course, still would say of the options there, I don't care one of the candidates, it's just those two issues, adultery and, uh, you know, and we won't even do, you know, even the homosexual issue, you know, we won't even get into, but um, adultery and murder, okay? I, I don't hear, I don't hear, um, you know, Trump saying, yeah, I think you should be able to go out and, and, commit, and commit adultery. It would be good for your marriage, good for the country, good for your soul. Um, I don't hear Trump saying, I think you should go out and be able to kill certain people, um, be they of this race or this age or unborn or born or whatever. But I do hear that on the other side, son. So, so to me, if, you know, any Christian who hears that, um, if they have even an ounce of spiritual discernment and sensitivity, if the Holy Spirit is living within them, okay, okay, maybe you're wrestling with that then, okay? And you say, I'm a Christian. Okay, well, then make a case for it. Make a case for promotion of a, of a not not a person's path you know uh, Jesus didn't condemn the woman caught in adultery he said I don't condemn you but then he, he did say go and sin no more so if you're going to have a politician saying no we're going to put laws into effect that legalize um, adultery although and I mean you know that, that's not maybe a good example because that's not uh, technically I guess illegal in, in America although uh, 
I guess as this one candidate is finding out uh, this Democratic candidate in uh, what North Carolina, um, you know, uh, being in the military and he had this affair, you know, he, he he's going to be facing, I think, some justice for that of a legal uh, of a legal kind, even outside of just you know what that means with your relationship with the Lord. But um, you know, when 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 something of this nature, son, is being talked about way like. Even though what excuse you may give it, well, you know, that person just needed an outlet. You know, they had a frustrated marriage, so they needed an outlet. Um, or that person, you know, that's really her body. You know, that, that let's say that five pound, 11 ounce uh, baby I referred to earlier today, um, who was uh, who was born into this world through a C-section two days ago. Yeah, no, that's really the mother's body. Um, and, and so if, if the mother or the father, let's say, get together and decide, and, and they can find a doctor who's willing to end the life. Um, then yes, as a politician, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and have a law. And then let, let's just say it's just to protect her body. But um, we're gonna we're gonna con- we're gonna tell ourselves that's why we're doing it. And but we don't really want to talk about it. Um, we, we we don't really want um, have, to have certainly have anybody see what it looks like or think too deeply about it um, or try to make a case that it's not barbaric. We just kind of want to smooth it over with this kind of this, this flowers. Oh, that's a woman's body. That's a woman's body, you know, as though we're all dumb, you know. And we don't know that that, that is a preborn, unborn baby um, that once, you know, God wants to bring into the world that, that, that the Lord created, uh, even as it says in Psalm uh, 138, 13, um, where David wrote, for you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. So what right, son, does anybody have to go in there with a baby that God is knitting together in their mother's womb? What right does any human being have to, um, to go in there and take that life and shame on any politician who, um, who's going to back that, that, that kind of thing, uh, that, or as Amy Coney Barrett apparently signed on to uh, 14 years ago, that, that something so barbaric, so barbaric, um, it's just uh, unthinkable. You know, Dan, there was a there was a um, a lady that we interviewed when I was working with the Frank Sontag show, which is where you and I met, and her name was Sue Ellen Browder, and she wrote a book called Subverted: How I Helped the Sexual Revolution Hijack the Women's Movement, and she talked about how originally contraception and abortion were not originally a part of the 1960s women's movement, but how they were able to get it in there. And one of the things she said was because you talk about the abortion issue being a woman's choice, it's my body, my choice, that type of thing. And what she said is you don't make the issue, the reason why they were able to be so successful with that is because you don't make the issue about the issue, okay? So, for example, she used this as an example. She said if you're a piano dealer and you're selling pianos, you don't sell a piano. She says you sell the idea of a piano room. So you have a room, you have it nicely furnished, maybe you have a view of the ocean, you put your grand piano in, you have somebody playing some nice music, and you sell them the idea of a music room, and you need to fill that music room with a piano. And that's kind of like what it is, because every time you talk about abortion, it's not about people talking about the death of an unborn baby, or even nowadays, the death of a birthed baby. You know, because yeah. you have now, you know, post-birth abortion, like in Virginia and stuff. But it's yeah. like, so so no one talks about that. But they always talk about my body, my choice. I have the right to choose. And so they, they present it in a manner that isn't the issue, but it's a, this bigger thing. It's a woman's choice. It's a woman's yeah. body. You can't tell her exactly. what to do with it, even though you can arrest her for, you know, prostitution. And technically, you know, suicide is illegal. So, no, you can't right. do anything you want with your body. You know, you can't cut yourself because if you no. cut yourself, you're going to the loony bin. Um, you know, yeah. and so there's stuff yeah. like that that you can't do. So this idea of my body, my choice is really a yeah. misnomer because yeah. it's not your body. It's not your choice. You might be yeah. in a position where, okay, your body's being used to now bring, you know, develop this baby and bring it into the world, but it's not your body of choice. But if we talk about the, the graphic nature of losing those babies through the process, then yeah, Yeah. people will be turned off by by it and be like, this is horrific, but you avoid that. You avoid that by talking about this pleasant thing of my body, my choice. It's a woman's right, you know? And, um, and that's how you get away with it. Well, that, that, that's right, son. I mean, you know, if, if you're a, a woman, let's say, and let's just say you're at 36 weeks, like like the uh, the mother here two days ago, um, there in our uh, church, our our, our, uh, our folks' daughter. Um, 
And let's say you're walking down the streets of AOC and Bill de Blasio's New York City, and a mugger comes up, and he robs you, but then he shoots and he kills you, um, and, and then you and your unborn baby die. I mean, why, why is it in many cases like that that he's going to be prosecuted for two murders, not just one, if, if that's not a life? If that's not, you know, how, how can you have it both ways? It, it, it's so, um, there's just no consistency to it because everybody knows that that is a baby. That's an unborn baby, but that is a baby. Uh, and, and once that C-section happened here two days ago, um, this little baby was born at five pounds, 11 ounces, and every baby deserves to have that, that opportunity. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just so tragic uh, that so many millions of babies have been aborted when they deserve to live. You know, Dan, as we move into this election that's fast approaching, it looks like the American people have a choice, you know, and it's a choice between getting the nation kind of back to the foundation of what we were built upon. Um, you know, the other thing that we've learned, too, is, you know, originally the framers of the Constitution, the founding fathers, you know, government was supposed to be a part-time gig for them. And now we've yeah. turned it into a full-time thing, which I yeah. believe has really become problematic, especially since everybody's now a lawyer and they know how to manipulate and and, yeah. uh, you know, and change things through the legal systems. You know, before the government was with, uh, you know, business leaders and educators and, you know, maybe mm-hmm. inventors and scientists. Talk about, you know, believe in science. But now we become yeah. all lawyers. And so, you know, there is no interest in anything but manipulating the law because that's what you're trained to do is to get your client off or to win a case or whatever you do what right. you can. Right. And so now we have no interest in, OK, how can we better you know, the economy, how can we better business? How can we make this? And that's what you're getting. What you're seeing now is through the president, in my opinion, whether or not you like him or not, you're seeing what the government was intended to be for somebody who was for the people who was by the people and who had the best interest of the people in mind. I don't care what you say. He does not have his own interests at mind. People like to say he does, but he's really doing stuff for the people. The way That's he, right. the way he conducts things, you know, and sure there might be yeah. when he gets to some of those social yeah. agendas. Yeah. It's a conservative choice that he's making with the judges and things like that. But you're really yeah. starting to see that. But what we've seen all along through all these years is, you know, lawyers coming out there and, and running for office and then just running right. the country as if it was a law firm. What can I yeah. best do to manipulate this and do that to get my agenda pushed across? You know, it's not the agenda yeah. of the people. And that's what scares me because it's like you've got like what Biden has said. And even Harris has said, I'm not going to tell you my point until you hire me or elect me, you know, because yeah. basically the election is hiring somebody. And yet, yeah. would anybody else in the world hire somebody if they said, so how do you feel about this in the interview? And they wouldn't answer the questions. You wouldn't get hired right. for the position. Right. How do you feel about court packing? Well, I'll tell you after, after the election. Well, why would yeah. we hire you to do something if you're not going to tell us what you're going to do? And yet people right. just blindly take it and they'll run with it and yeah. they'll vote for it. And then they'll be like, oh, why did we do that? It's like in California. Here's the thing in California real quick, if I can. Yeah. So we yeah, had a gas please. tax and the gas tax got approved. And so then California's like, wait a minute, we don't want this gas tax. And so what we did was we wanted to repeal it. However, through the um, shadiness of our attorney general, they created the repeal the gas tax and they made it something else like you know money for firefighters and policemen or something you know devious Mm -hmm. and so instead of doing due diligence and actually reading what the the proposition whatever it was was about they just thought oh money for this and so then they voted for it and then the gas tax went into into effect and everyone's like hey what happened to repealing the gas tax well you voted for the gas tax, and then you voted not to repeal the gas tax because you didn't do due diligence. And so now you yeah. get what you asked for. You get this higher right. gas tax because you failed yeah. as a voter. You failed as yeah. someone who is going to, you know, have the future of the state in your hand, and now you have to suck it up and pay more for gas. And that's kind of well, like what interesting, it is. Son. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. And that's what we've gotten to. We've gotten to people sit yeah. there and they say they want to vote for something. And then it like backlashes on them and like, wait, I don't want this. Well, right. you voted for it. You should have done due diligence ahead of time. Well, and, and like you pointed out, Son, I mean, so many times, too, it's the clever, even deceitfulness of lawyer-like politicians who may be lawyers. Many times they are. But um, who, you know, just like we saw in, in, the, in, the, in the Pence debate uh, with uh, Kamala Harris where just something as simple as, you know, him pointing out that her ticket 
you know, Biden has claimed that he's going to repeal uh, Trump's tax cut and, 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 and how this is going to raise taxes on, on so many people. And, and, and then she came out with, with, with some, you know, it's like you said, she didn't address that issue. She started talking about, well, you know, supposedly, you know, only, you know, people who make 400,000, which, you know, that, that's not accurate at all. Uh, it, it would hit many, many people, many middle income people, many folks across the board. Um, and, and, and Biden has clearly said, you know, multiple times he's going to repeal that, uh, because, you know, his party and his ideology is to increase taxes, increase government control over the person, increase, you know, even, even something, and this is very symbolic, even something like mandating mask wearing. Um, okay, so if you happen to be somebody who believes that the science points to wearing a mask, and there are many who believe science on the other side of it, but you should have the freedom, just like you have the freedom to send your child to a, a, a public school or a, uh, a private school or to homeschool, and, you know, and, 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 but which, which party tries to keep people from having, uh, you know, school choice, which, which ideology tries to say, well, no, we're going to, we're going to mandate this. We're going to mandate that. We're going to tax this. We're going to increase that. And, and it all leads on to more control over the people by fewer and fewer people making those decisions. Let's pack the court so we can have the power. We can, because we know better than the people. But like you're saying, son, yeah, how's that tax, how's that gas tax working for the average uh, person in California? Well, not so well. And no, we wish now we could go back and, and, and redo that. But no, these clever attorney-like folks like Kamala Harris, um, they won't tell you the straight scoop until they get into power. And, and then they'll do whatever they want to do. And, and, and I'm sorry, I don't see um, the, the, the folks, I don't see conservatives doing that. I don't see conservatives getting in there and then trying to force things on people. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, there aren't, there aren't uh, critiques that can be made on every, uh, you know, political uh, individual, every politician, every party. But, but as a whole, Son, um, those who are conservative try to give the power back to the people and, and not try to just saddle people with more taxes, more regulations. Um, and, and I'll tell you, this is why I believe, Son, as, as the Gallup poll just showed, and I mentioned this earlier, 56% of Americans, I mean, that's the highest number it's ever been in October for, for a, uh, a, a sitting president. 56% say that they're better off now under President Donald Trump than they were under, uh, you know, four years ago under uh, Obama and Biden. That number has never even been in the 50s. That number has been in the 40s for some uh, two-term presidents, uh, but it's never been in the 50s. And, and there have been presidents who've won a second term with that number being, you know, of course, in the 40s. So, um I think people know that, that, that there have been so many improvements over what um, the nation was saddled with under the previous administration. And, and again, uh, to me, it's not about part, which party you're part of. It's about your principles. You know, are you for freedom? Are you for the people? Are you for the unborn? Uh, are, are you for the Constitution? Uh, you know, are, are you for um, just allowing people to make their own decisions, beginning with the most among us. And they're not going to let that unborn baby make that decision. If they're unable to make that decision, then you better well, um, you better well err on the side of taking care of them. Otherwise you have no right to call yourself, um, any sort of, of, uh, protector of, of, of the, uh, oppressed whatsoever. If you're going to snuff out the life of a black baby, and then you're going to snuff out the life of a brown baby, and then you're going to snuff out the life of a, of a white baby. Um, no, don't call yourself protector of the helpless when you do that. So, um, yes, this is a, you know, people are saying, son, this is the you know, most important election in our lifetime. As important as the last one was, um, this one seems even if, if that could be possible, even more important because of what the stakes are and because of how high the, you know, you know, the, uh, the leftists have ratcheted things up. What's the threat to do? Um, who would have thought it'd ever be threatening? to change the rules on the Supreme Court, to add, you know, add seats to the Supreme Court so they can try to control more. Who'd ever thought they'd have gone to that sort of extreme? And yet here they are, and they're making no bones about it, son. And so um, serious-minded people, freedom-loving people um, need to wake up and realize um, that, you know, America, as many changes as we've seen in recent decades, um, that's only the tip of the iceberg of what could happen. If, if uh, those who want to control you uh, get even more power than they already have. You know, Dan, as we wrap up here, I want to conclude with this. There's uh, many people out there that would say, oh, God's in control, so we don't have to worry about it. 
if I am out of a job and I believe in God and I sit on the couch all day watching TV and I pray, God, I need a job, I need a job. But all I do is sit on the couch all day. It's a very good chance, probably 99.99999, that I'm not getting a job because I have to do my due diligence. It's just like God wants us all to be saved, but yet he allows us to choose. And so, unfortunately, some people choose not to follow him, and so not everybody's getting into heaven. So basically, the the thing is we have to do our part. And that's what it comes to the election. You know, with a lot of Christians, I mean, we're in California. We've got churches that are closed that are being persecuted by our state government. And so a lot of people are going to start to see, depending on what they are into as far as their lifestyle and stuff, things being taken away from them if they don't take action and they don't get involved, and they don't do their part. And that's what we have to do. God calls us to do a part. You know, we can't sit there. God God calls us in the Great Commission, you know, to go out and to spread the gospel. He doesn't say, okay, just stay home and accept me, and then I'll do the work. He said, go out. You do your part to help me build my kingdom. And so we have to do our part. And so maybe as we just kind of wrap up here, you can kind of touch on the responsibilities that we have, not necessarily in voting specifically, but just as Christians to do our part and not be complacent and stand on the sidelines. Well, here's what comes to mind, Son. Um, And yeah, there are different ways that I could answer that question. And and certainly in terms of, um, you know, the duties of Christians to do our part, to vote, to, to pray for, for, um, uh, those in, in leadership positions and to pray for, you know, elections and, and all that, we, we, we could spend a lot of time on. But if I might, I'd just like to take a brief moment on doing our part when it comes on to the most important issue that's going to matter to everybody listening to this, you know, 100 years from now, and for many people, a lot, lot sooner than that. Um, do your part, my friend, in this area. You know, if you were standing before God today and he were to say to you, why should I let you into heaven, what would you tell him? Um, you know, a recent uh, survey in, in America revealed that, you know, over half of your fellow Americans are relying upon their good works to get into heaven. And so they would say something like, uh, well, you know, Lord, I'm, I'm, I've lived by the golden rule, or, you know, I've, I've tried to love my neighbor, or I tried to obey the Ten Commandments, or I went to church, okay? This sort of a thing. Now, my friend, if your answer to that question, a hypothetical question from God, why should I let you into heaven? If, it, if it's something like that, pointing to what you do, then what I would like to share with you in Christian love is that I'm not getting any blood pressure, any blood pressure reading right now in your soul. I'm not getting any pulse. Okay. All I'm getting is a reliance upon your works. And so what, what will need to happen, you'll need to do something in order to be saved. You need to let go of your works, righteousness, your self righteousness. And by that, I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, throw bricks at you or say, you know, you're some arrogant person, but I'm saying this, if you're relying on your works to get into heaven, that's the ultimate definition of self-righteousness. You're trying to make yourself righteous in God's eyes. It doesn't mean you walk around and think you're better than everybody. But, but, but self-righteous in just its purest definition is, hey, I can be righteous by what I do. The message of the Bible, and specifically Christianity, is, is that there is no one righteous, no, not one. And yet there is a righteousness from God that the Apostle Paul wrote about. And this former persecutor of Christians, the people who want to throw people under the bus because of their past, let's say. Well, I'm glad Paul wasn't thrown under the bus. God saved him. God redeemed him. Um, God can redeem, you know, any politician, any human being. Um, Paul was redeemed. But Paul learned that there's a righteousness from God and the righteous will live by faith. And so today, my friend, if you'll let go of, of, of your works righteousness, your self-righteousness, if you'll stop trusting in that and put all of your faith in Jesus Christ, you'll be saved, redeemed, forgiven, justified, and born again. I'll give you my answer to the question that I just asked you. If God were to say to me, Dan, why should I let you into heaven? I say to well, Lord, I don't deserve to get in. I'm a sinner like everyone. But I believe Christ died for my sins. I believe his blood was shed on the cross for me and that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me from all sin. You see, my friend, there's a blood pressure reading in my soul today. My spirit is alive, not because of anything I've done, but because of what Christ did for me. And that's where the Christian life begins. That's where the Christian life is centered. That's the heartbeat of Christianity. And then there's a whole lot that goes along with it. You know, the easy part is being saved. Uh, You know, uh, Oswald Chambers wrote, the reason it's so easy to obtain salvation is because it costs not so much. That's the easy part. That doesn't mean it's easy to face Christian persecution as many Christians around the world face. 
Doesn't mean it's easy to say no to temptation many times. Doesn't mean it's easy to walk closely with Christ. You'll have to deny yourself. Doesn't mean it's easy to, to let your light shine in this world of darkness and, and, and uh, temptation and, and just uh, pressure upon you. That's not easy, but that's the calling of a Christian. But you first must be saved, redeemed, justified, born again, and, and, uh, and forgiven. And that happens when you trust in Christ alone. So, uh, my friend today, if you will do this, you can be saved. Renounce your works righteousness. Say, hey, I'm done. I'm done trying to save myself. I just put it all on Jesus. Like if you're out in the ocean, let's say, let's say you get caught up in a rip current and you're being pulled out to sea there in Florida somewhere. You're being pulled out to sea by a riptide and, and you don't know what to do. And then a lifeguard comes and, and, uh, you're, you're, you're out there quite a ways. You got pulled out to sea. You're tired. You were trying to fight against those waves. That's the religious person trying to save himself. And then the lifeguard comes and says, Hey, just relax here. Just sit back. Don't struggle. Or we might both drown. Just, just let, let go. Let, don't, don't flay, you know, flight around any longer. Just trust me. And then you put yourself in the arms of that lifeguard. Today, if you'll do that with Jesus, um, a sinner that you are, we all are, just rest in the arms of Jesus. Say, Lord, save me. You can say that right now. Jesus, save me. Forgive me, Lord. I give you my life. I give you my heart. I want to live for you, Lord. Um, today, you'll be forgiven. You'll be in God's family. But only if you're ready to renounce righteousness relying on your religious stuff, your church attendance, all this other stuff. They all have a place. There are, you know, many of those things are good and important to do. But, but you, you only are saved by grace through faith. The righteous shall live by faith, not works. And so today, if you do that, my friend, uh, that be the beginning. Uh, you'll be uh, guaranteed eternal life in heaven with the Lord. And then, you know, the, the spiritual journey begins. And there'll be ups and downs. And, and you'll, you'll do better some days than others, but you'll be forgiven. You'll be forgiven. Heaven will be your home. And you're going to want to live for Christ, and you're going to live to help other people experience freedom. First and foremost, spiritual freedom. But then this is why Christians are so interested also in earthly freedom for people, because we love the Lord, and God is about freedom. And the Pharisees hated Jesus, those religious leaders. They hated him because he was free. They hated him because he didn't follow their traditions. They hated him because he wouldn't try to control others the way they did. And so, my friend, today, if you'll come to Jesus, you'll experience their freedom like you uh, have perhaps never, ever known. And so Jesus said, come to me, uh, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will do the rest. Just call on him today, uh, and then the Lord will do the rest. So uh, that song, I guess, is, is uh, what I think about uh, to, in answer to your excellent question. You know, uh, what can a person do today to really um, get closer to the truth and, and to what God wants us to have in this life and beyond? Dan Dozell? Author at the Christian Post, you can just Google his uh, name. If you go to ChristianPost.com and Google Dan Delzell, articles come up of various different topics, so check them out there. Also, um, pastor at a church in Papillion, Nebraska, Facebook page is? Uh, well, if they just Google Redeemer uh, in Papillion, Nebraska, they'll, that'll, it'll take them to that sign on our Facebook page, and, and there are various uh, video messages on there uh, that could also... Um, help a person, I think, uh, some of these issues we're talking about today. Again, that's Redeemer in Papillion, P-A-P-I-L-L-I-O-N, Papillion, Nebraska, right here in the suburb of Omaha. And, uh, yep, I invite anybody to check that out. Uh, you can, uh, follow me on Instagram at Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S. And, uh, Dan, thanks again so much for your time. We appreciate it and we look forward to next time. Oh, thank you, son. I'll sure look forward to it as well. And in the meantime, I know we'll, we'll be praying uh, a lot for this upcoming election. Uh, consequences uh, from this are going to be huge. So thank you for all you're doing, son, uh, for, for our Lord and for our nation. And for those of you listening, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. Take your passion. Make it happen. Let yourself be great. And until next time, God bless.